welcome to Conversations About Life. Well, thank you, Elias, for being a guest on my podcast. How are you doing today? Doing good. That's good. So you're not from this area. What your northeast area, is that right? Yeah, I grew up in Maine. Okay. Well, give a little brief overview of yourself as, for an introduction. Uh, well, um, grew up in Maine, uh, went to college in Indiana, Bloomington, and uh, got into construction, worked for Habitat for Humanity, and then uh, House Flipper, and eventually started a company with my friend, and uh, that's kind of what eventually brought us to St. Louis. Okay. And then, and you're kind of back and forth from here, and is it Chicago or here in Maine? or um, Here in Maine. As far as the construction and the work and so yeah, forth? Okay. Yeah, we drive back and forth in Portland, Maine, and here in St. Louis. And so what kind of drive is that? How long? Uh, I think it's, it's close to 24 hours, I think. Um, that is a long drive. Yeah, it's like a... I think last time we split into like 10 or three eights, eight hour drives and yeah. three full days. And then, and then why St. Louis? Like what kind of work was here that brought you here? Um, well, my uh, business partner has family here and okay. um, we've got some school connections to Principia College across the river in Illinois and um, yeah uh, so basically just family and school having those connections at first and then uh, since we've started using Google, Google Ads but mm-hmm. at first it was just networks uh, we uh, first year we traveled through Nashville and Boston and Maine and here and kind of wherever we had friends and family and that needed work done and just went there and tried to do bigger and bigger projects and record okay. it. Well, how is Maine different from here? Like, were you in an urban area in Maine or out in the country or what's it like there? A little bit of both. There's a lot, there's a lot more rural in a lot of ways um so we were in small towns more of the time um but did a little bit of work in portland uh which is kind of the hip city okay uh, my dad lives closer to the capital in augusta okay so something that you know that's interesting about you is your religion and I, I forgot just how much you're into it but it is it called Christian Science is that the name of it yeah Christian Science okay um, I was raised in Christian Science um, I'm thinking of going trying to go back to church but I've kind of been floating on the periphery where I kind of use some of the teachings but I'm a little bit more spiritual than religious at the moment um, okay. and yeah, I think it, it molded who I became as a person but I have had trouble um, well, the term of like sitting on the fence uh, it's better to get off the fence and try either side but I'd kind of like to balance on the middle and kind of be like well I want to question ideas on this side and I want to question ideas on that side so it's made me not easily to dive fully into either fully accepting all ideas or fully disbelieving everything but I guess there's something attractive to you in it if you're thinking of like heading that way right or getting back into church? Yeah, um, I think I left church as like the building and the institution because I um, I was thinking about this this weekend actually was that I don't think a lot of churches remember and this is just, I've just been 
a member of or gone to very few Christian Science churches. But I think uh, we get so caught up in the the theory and trying to become more perfect people that like closer to God. Um, uh, and we kind of have the belief that God is fully spiritual and not material. So that kind of makes it difficult to be just human. Um, so I think that's what I've struggled with a lot. And part of that I feel is, um, in Christian science, I think there's definitely a push for romantic relationships under marriage. And kind of the explanation behind that is that, well, eventually we won't need those physical things. Like that would be the more perfect thing would just be like one with God instead of having to have marriage and childbearing and all that. Um, but they say that like while we are here, um, marriage is the best place for those things. That's kind of how it was taught to me. But um, I've kind of come to feel that as long as we're stuck in this human condition, we also need community. And I think there's kind of... It's not just in the church. I think it's also a wider spread thing that today we're not as invested in our communities. Um, so I've I've heard of a church here in St. Louis that um, the Christian Science Church that might be working a little bit more on that of really being involved in the community and doing some things that aren't directly in the like rules and setup of our church. Um, so you were mentioning like the traditional marriage type of viewpoint of the yeah. church. So what was your point in that? Is that like an, a, a positive thing or was that like a hang up type of thing or, um, I think for me it's a it's a little bit of both um i think kind of the abstract thinking and search for like we don't expect people to be perfect but i think in the christian science faith there is kind of an expectation that you're always striving to become closer to god and understand things better and trying for this perfection. So there's that idea like marriage, like, okay, we we can't necessarily give up everything that we feel as material human beings with urges and um, desires and all that. But we're trying to become more spiritual, more like God who doesn't see uh, evil or people dying or th- things broken um but as long as we're um still material like we haven't ascended yet um then we kind of still have to work within the framework like we even though um like god is the highest law we still it's principled to obey the government's laws um and marriage is maybe the best place for relationships is what is generally taught but i kind of believe that um and i don't know i think just my experiences have made me question how strong marriage is so i've at first i was just seeking something more perfect than marriage uh, as kind of a thought process, but unable to do so, I think I've fallen back on a little bit like the human experience is just my experience. So I think I've embraced things that we all share, like thought wise, like um, the issues and desires that we all have, and trying to see those things as not imperfections that I need to get past but just things that I want to understand more in more of a healthy way um, from my perspective Uh, so that's where I'm like well 
I think it's less about marriage and more about our intentions in a relationship and um, committing to somebody. Um, And then I was relating that to, I feel like we have an underlying need for close relationships. Um, And I think if you have a strong enough community, you don't necessarily need a romantic relationship. But if you don't have either, I think that's a really unhealthy place for us to be. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so I've been like, seeking that. So Christian science, it's like, it's kind of, it's different than like the historical church, historical Christianity, right? Yeah. Um, and I don't like, I haven't studied it extensively, but I've kind of grown up in it and kind of the framework is um, it was founded in the United States by a woman, uh, Mary Baker Eddy and she kind of set it up uh, a little bit democratically so there's a a board and the membership and they vote people into the positions like uh, the first and second reader and the readers read um, exclusively from the Bible in the science and health, which is kind of Mary Baker Eddy's key to the scriptures, kind of laying out um, what she figured out to be to the spiritual interpretation of the Bible. Um, and a committee at the Mother Church in Boston, um, or that's connected to it, puts together the lessons for every month. Um, what so, would you say is like the the essence of Christian science, like um, its core philosophy, the way it sees God and reality and us and so forth, you know, and what we're all about, you know. Yeah. um, A couple of things I think can kind of give you the feel of Christian science. Um, There's a seven synonyms for God and one of the ones that I always focused a lot on was love um so if you think about everything being love and the best way to interact with everything being love and to understand things is love um I think that's part of the goodness that I was taught by Christian science growing up and um, not a little bit more less like less philosophical no I think it's trying to think about Jesus's teachings so he took the Old Testament and um, Jewish laws and beliefs and he kind of challenged them and broke them down and um we generally believe that he was showing us how to see things spiritually the way God saw them. And um, I think he tells his uh, disciples, um, or like around, I think it was around his resurrection, he's like, the things that they do, or that I do, they shall do and greater still. Mm-hmm. And it was basically the idea that not just my disciples, but anybody that's following my teachings, which is basically following and understanding God more deeply, um, is able to do the miracles that he did, see things the way that he did, because he didn't buy into the material suffering or issues that he might have seen in his physical interactions with people but he again and again challenged them and was able to lead people to seeing that they weren't like limited to the material suffering that they were in Um, so that's kind of what I see as like the core ideas that we're trying to understand God more perfectly and thus 
become more spiritual over that path. Yeah, so, you know, your, the phrase you were mentioning um, where Jesus said, you know, that um, his disciples would do even greater things than these, I kind of think of um, Jesus as, um, as living, like, as the perfect man. Yeah. Um, and um, it wasn't like he, um, you know, came to live as Superman, um, and, um, but rather he, um, so in that sense, you know, we, um, you know, and it, so it, he was trusting in his father, yeah. um, and, um, and his father worked through him. He said something along the lines like, all that I see my father doing, you know, I do, and, and so forth. Um, so in that sense, um, you know, we can um, do what Jesus did because um, he, um, you know, he was trusting in God to work through him yeah. and so forth. And I think he came to his hometown one time and he couldn't do many miracles there because of the lack of faith, you know, mm. and so, um, but when, um, but I kind of think of, um, him as the perfect man and then me as Adam, you know, like Adam, the story is he's, he became a fallen man. Yeah. And then G- you know, uh, Paul, he refers to Jesus as the second Adam, you know, so he, he comes and so I see him as like the Adam who didn't fall, but who lived perfectly. And then we get kind of brought into that, um, because it's, uh, he came to rescue the first Adam, the fallen Adam. And, um, so, but I kind of see that more as um, through um, his uh, like kind of like not us achieving well through what he's done for us on the cross I guess I've been meditating and thinking about Psalms 32 um, lately Um, Paul in Romans he refers to it he quotes it and it you know it starts off um, happy is Happy are those whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sin is covered. Um, happy are those to whom the Lord, uh, to whom the Lord imputes no iniquity, and in whose spirit there's no deceit. So it's kind of like, um, who's happy or well off or blessed? Um, it's those who are, you know, forgiven and there's no deceit. Like they're just open. It's not like they're trying to hide their sin you know it's been confessed and forgiven and so forth mm. but um like you mentioned um well in your in christian science what is the cross all about like in kind of more of historical christianity i think it's 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 looked at different ways but like maybe the core of it is kind of like as a sacrifice for sin it's like here um Jesus, you know, I'll take what they deserve. They, you know, God is the righteous judge. He must, um, he can't just overlook sin and be righteous. So I'll take it for them that they can be forgiven. I think that, you know, that's like kind of how I think of it. Is that, is there there something similar or is it Hmm. quite a bit different in Christian science? Um... I'm trying to think. Um, I think there's probably those that go deeper into it, but I think the focus that I remember uh, is more on the resurrection. Okay. Um, overcoming kind of the ultimate. like powerful belief in evil like we can die and end um and i think it's three days that 
after being crucified and stabbed with a spear, he rises from the tomb and has a, I think it's the last breakfast with his disciples, and um, then eventually ascends to be with his father. And I think that's, to me, the ultimate demonstration of, like, overcoming everything that we see as real in the physical world uh, is limiting us, um, but showing that God is not a limitation and kind of taking away that... um, I see, like fear as being this major hindrance uh, to like doing good and being one with God and I think what Jesus did was um, continually demonstrate over those things and I don't know how you would say that his like little bit of doubt um, because he was warned ahead of time so he was like staying up that night and nobody stayed up with him and I think in the bible they say like why me but that's that's it and then he accepts it and he faces it he carries his own cross um which I guess was a roman thing but it kind of turned it into the religious signification of like he's bearing his own mortality but going on to face it and overcome it um and so it it's definitely similar in that like he's taking on all the sin or materiality of like Adam created from the earth and eating the apple of good and evil and falling and knowing death and suffering and everything that came I think from getting kicked out of the garden um, which is at least the story that we used to explain it and um, so I think the ideas are very similar in some ways in that he is taking it on but there might be less focus on um, kind of that I guess the traditional Christian idea of like taking on all our sins Um, and I see it I think I tend to have seen it more as like uh, teaching us that kind of like the sins and suffering are all things that we suffer as long as we believe in them or like we suffer as long as we continue to sin but he shows us that as soon as we turn away from those things and turn to God that's it like that's all we have to do because God is always there so we just have to turn back to him and understand and see him more perfectly and then so there's like a couple of things that stands out um like one is like the differentiating the differencing between the material and the spiritual the non-material in your viewpoint that i want to talk about but also the whole matter of guilt because i think you know it's like a big thing we all uh, want to be right like even in in a a like a setting that's totally unreligious. Like I sometimes go to the um, discussions at the uh, Bottle Works, um, Sheffield mm-hmm. Bottle Works and stuff, and it's just a big group. And, um, or anywhere you're at, it's like people, they want to justify themselves. They want to show that they're right and be right. And it's important for us eternal, internally too yeah. to kind of wrestle with things. And Was I right? Am I right? You know, we want to get that... Um, and the thing of guilt, um, so I, we all have to deal with it. And it seems like the, 
there's one way of dealing with it is like, well, it's really kind of imaginary guilt. Um, like sin, it's, um, you know, we're just um, growing. We all make mistakes. It's just, it's not really a big deal. We just, um, it's a growing process and I'll get better and I'll get better. And so one way to deal with uh sin and guilt is just to minimize it and like I'm okay you're okay we're all okay and and that but we have you know the other way is to um, um, just think well it has to be dealt with and God offers a redemption and in that way um, the sin can just go as deep down to the roots of me as 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 possible and it's okay because he st- took my place and he took it all and I'm totally forgiven. So I, I kind of think of Psalms 51, um, you know, it's like David after he sinned with Bathsheba and then killed her husband and to try to hide his sin. And then the prophet comes and confronts him and then it hits him and, you know, he realizes how sinful and guilty he is. and. He so over and over again in that psalm, he you know he's asking God to forgive him, and he says, you know, I, I, my sin's always before me against you, and you alone have a sin. And indeed, I was born guilty, a sinner when my mother conceived me. Like he's just wretched, but he cries out to God, you know, create in me a clean heart, um, and forgive me because of your steadfast love and your abundant mercy, and put a new and right spirit within me. You know, so. That in that sense, it's like not trying to minimize the guilt and sin. It's accepting it all as deep and dark as it is, and then accepting God's redemption. So that's one way. And the other way, it's mo- almost like oh, it's not a big deal. So anyway, um, that's one thing that just so it, it it seems like in Christian Science, it might be a little bit more of like seeing sin as um, not um, almost like a part of our material self that can just be overcome and just uh, like we'll just rise above it Um, and then so anyway I'll let you comment on that but it's kind of connected to just the the human or spiritual the material and like um, it it seems like um, there's a real emphasis on the spiritual, the immaterial. Yeah. Whereas I think in historic Christianity, it's kind of more of Jesus was raised into a physical, spiritual body in the sense that it's indestructible um, without decay and so forth, but a physical, and then we all get resurrected into physical bodies, and it's going to be a new heavens and a new earth, and it with. So it's like the material is being redeemed. It, um, it's cursed. It's bad. There's the weeds, the thorns, the pain, the death. But it's being redeemed. It's not that we're being taken out of it. It's like we're created to, to be embodied souls. And that's what's being saved um, to be, to continue, you know, to Anyway, so anyway, what are your thoughts on just that type of thing, the whole thing about the sin and guilt and how it's dealt with, and the thing seems somewhat related about the material versus the spiritual and so forth? Yeah. Um, I'll go over the uh, material and spiritual first. I think there definitely is a sense of the dichotomy of, like, the spiritual is the real and the material is the unreal. Um, and it's definitely a very hard concept to struggle with because um, we are here experiencing everything materially. And um, to think that everything that we feel and suffer is... And we're like literally like fighting with it struggling with it to try and see that as unreal and something that we need to challenge 
but not accept as even something that can affect us like you've got an enemy charging at you with a spear and to think of them as like not a threat that's not something that we can easily do because we we see it we feel it um and the only challenge to that is kind of this more elusive intellectual idea of like well if god is perfect if he sees no evil then i think it comes to this idea of like either everything is of god and it's perfect and this is just an unreal thing that we're experiencing or something else like he isn't all powerful like he can either be all powerful or he cannot and I think he at least in Christian science he is all powerful all seeing and he is love so there's no room for hate and love okay so um Okay, so the. I, I, th- I think you were saying, like, if God is perfect, and he sees no evil. Um, I don't know if I'm quite grasping what you mean by seeing no evil. I mean, he, he has nothing to do with evil, it, it can't abide with him, and something like that. Something like that, yeah. I think I'm, I'm probably grabbing a paraphrase from the Bible or science and health um, or okay. something that I heard a lot right um, that he can't look upon evil yeah something like okay something that sounds like kind that of and I th- yeah I th- it sounds a little biblical so I'm thinking like it's a chunk of a sentence from the Bible but I don't right. know where um, and then because of that the material world can't be of him um, so I can see how like love can be not something created by God, but just in essence, uh, what He is. You know, a reflection yeah. of what He is. And like, I was just talking about this with my kids last night. Like, um, order. You know, we can say God created something orderly, but did He create order, or is just His nature is order? Right. Yeah. So He didn't create orderly. That'd be like because He's just in essence that's what He is. But but you're saying. Um, that that means if he created the material world um, that he's not all, all powerful or something like like we you know believe he's all powerful but i I don't get the connection there be, that you're you're trying to make i think um, yeah I think uh it's it's not an easy concept but essentially like the things that we struggle in the material are not created by God they aren't substantive um they feel like they are but the only thing that creates them is belief in them rather than like yeah I guess I'm not entirely sure myself but this is like saying God didn't create evil and didn't yeah. create sin but um, if but perhaps he um, created such a world where there's the potential, you know, the free choice of sin. It, I can see the difficulty maybe of separating that from God. Um, but, um, yeah, I just wonder about that. If it, like, of course, God, you know, uh, our concept of God is not that he's the author of evil, yeah. but, um, but he created a world in which 
there's the possibility of evil exist, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think that's more of a, a traditional Christian uh, viewpoint is that, like, I think it's the Catholics that are, like, um, he created us with um, ch- choice. I think they say it a different way. But um, I think in Christian science, it is more of an idea of, like, that it's not there, that sin and evil are illusions, that God didn't create them so they don't exist. And that's what's hard about it, is it looks like it exists. We think it exists. And by doing so, I think it's kind of the idea of, like, that's the only power that it has is that we're giving it power, but God is not of that. I think I'm understanding what you're saying. Throughout this, I've, re- I've been thinking, it sounds a little bit like um, what I've heard about from Gnostic teaching in the, I think mm-hmm. it's second century. Are you, are you familiar with that? Um, no, I'm not familiar. What was like um, a side shoot of Christianity that... Um, downplayed the material and um, when it came to um, and I'm not expert on Gnostic teaching at all but um, it was kind of competitive with traditional Christianity and traditional or historic, you know, that's what kind of won out and so forth Yeah, but um, it was um, anyway, we you know, some of the Gnostic Gospels it's they're all later so, um, but it could be that I haven't read the Gospel of Thomas, but that might be one. But there's several Gospel accounts, like uh, stories about Jesus, that are not included in like the the Bible, the New Testament, and Old Testament that we have the Bible. But um, they are um, kind of fanciful, but um, and they're all later. Like our everything is that's in our New Testament is um, first century. Most people yeah. are you know agree. And Gnostic teaching would be second century, maybe third century. I'm not sure much later, but um, but it, there's a lot of might be something you'd be interested in looking into because there seems some similarities and so forth. But yeah, yeah, I've noticed uh, a lot of similarities in religion. I did some Eastern religion study in college, yeah. and um, I think. And I may in some ways be more of, I might not be using the term right, but I kind of feel like humanist is maybe a little bit of how I feel. And I kind of see that my definition of it is kind of that we've got a certain amount of universal shared humanity. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think part of that is common beliefs. Um, And I've seen it in the past as kind of a proof of divinity in our world um, but I could also see it as just a universal connection among humans um, and that that's things like loving your brother and like even like forgiving your enemies I see that in other religions yeah. and it's kind of this moral undertone that pops up again and again and um but also things like, I believe it's within a certain Hindu or maybe Buddhist, maybe both, uh, faiths. Um, there's this idea of we're kind of experiencing like fluctuations in reality or like karma or something. And that's kind of where we get like, it, it's similar to the like illusion that I was describing and that it's like things are kind of wavy right now but that's not the natural state of things it's more this like even line and um, in that particular faith it was described as kind of like returning to a nothingness and the peace was in the nothingness 
what we're experiencing is this kind of unnatural disturbed state right yeah that um, sounds very eastern yeah <laughs> um yeah eastern um art their eyes are closed they're looking inward mm. western art their eyes are open they're gazing at something beyond mm, you know the horizon line yeah yeah um but okay so one of the things you were bringing up morality how we all know it and so so it's almost like one of those things that it's just i don't think god created morality i think it's just in essence like right and wrong it's just of who he is but it's in us we know yeah. it um like we know two plus two is four and we know certain things are right and certain things are wrong and it's not just a matter of what we can get away with and so forth um or what's practical it's uh, just a matter of like it that right and wrong um and i'm not talking about like um is this right or wrong that's something um you you have to kind of figure out yeah but it but it's only can be figured out if from the basis of that there is truly right and wrong that it's not just something we've come up with you know but there's this uh, reality and um, it seems to me like one of the things as real as any kind of physical thing you know it's just we carry it with us but um, it almost um, seems like um, you know I don't know I, I where I was going with that, except um, does that fit in? How how do you guys think about that? Your uh, Christian Science um, religion? How do they? Um, I guess they're just seeing the right as the the ultimate thing. Yeah, and then the wrong is any kind of deviation of that which kind of makes sense in any kind of concept of morality but there is like something that's just very right um, so moral truth um, I guess like any deviation from we, you know you recognize the existence of evil I'm not sure what I'm getting at but it just seems like um I don't know. Yeah. I'll let you go ahead. I, I think um, I think you had it when you said like it's just an essence of God. He didn't like create this like structure and rule book. Um, mm-hmm. I think that's where we go wrong. And I wanted to get back to some point on ego mm-hmm. because uh, that's come up a lot of my life, even outside of religion and like sociology like just our interactions and like internal interactions um i think we can fall into the trap of um i think when think people think of things in black and white we create our own rules and that's our own personal ego being like this is this is right and this is the line I think there is an essence of God or a truth or law like with math, like there's just a right answer. It's very clear. Um, and I think there is a right, but I think it's a mistake. Well, it's kind of like, and this is more my personal musings than anything I've specifically been taught but I think it's it's better to think of it as the journey to the goal as long as we're still our own flawed selves Um, I think people make the mistake of thinking they have the perfect interpretation um, and then trying to hold everybody else to that line Um, because I think that can so easily get into the false ego of I, myself, Elias, am right about this idea. And that's, I think Christian science is very clear about that's not God. Like, 
you are glorifying yourself. And I've run that into that a lot in my relationships and things recently where it's like I can't think of any specific examples, but we're constantly going like, Well, I feel this way, so I'm right. And you wanna communicate that honestly, but you don't wanna it's not good to project your ego onto everything else. Um, but some things are kind of black and white. Like, um, what about like child child abuse? Like that's something we just... Or, or what, do you, what, what are your thoughts? Is that like just a real uh, black and white type of thing? Or, um, or whatever, you know, we'll just go with that one. Um... trying to think bigger picture because like my opinion like sure yeah it's wrong yeah. um and i think that's like clear it's um but then i think we are in this experience always coming at it from our own ego mm-hmm. so it's like um like take the tiny house movement um, when I was working for Habitat for Humanity, um, and we've structuralized it in our building codes, is that people have to have a bigger space. And that is right. But then you go back, and for most of our history, families lived in, like, the same bed. Mm-hmm. And that was luxury for certain of them because other people were in the woods like right and it's even true now like i saw somebody sleeping on a bench under a roof i think it was like a bus stop or something um just this morning Hmm. and i'm like that's not right but then we're limiting his ability or their ability to get housing by insisting that everybody and families should have this big space that they can live in with all the luxuries. But that's just kind of like the playing out of like an underlying thing that we both accept, and that is that humans should be cared for. Yeah. So, and then how how does it... Yeah, human care, like, that's right. And I think, like, child abuse is wrong. But then when we interpret what is wrong, like, because, like homeless family could have children mm-hmm. and they could be sleeping outside and I think even in some legal things things like that can be considered child abuse like right. leaving kids in a car but I got left in the car because I didn't want to go into stores and I might have been a little bit older so maybe there's a line on age that makes it okay but like I was okay yeah. and I got to read and enjoy myself right. but we now say, like, no, that's abuse. Right. So I think it's the ego of saying, like, oh, I get to decide that that is wrong. That is what is wrong about ego or the interpretation of it. Whereas, like, there is a line that, like, yeah, things are wrong, but we can be wrong about what is wrong. Sure. Right. Okay, yeah. Because, like, even to say, well, I could be we could be wrong on child abuse to even be able to use the words. They're like measuring words. Like they're based on yeah. something. So there is some kind of ruler, you know, um, and just how you, just what the, you know, essence of that ruler is. It's a little bit hard to say, but, um, you know, there are some, some basic things like humans ought to be cared for. You know, yeah. we can't just, just go card humans as trash for our own whims, our own sake, yeah. you know. So um, it seems like, um, you know, just the reality of evil, um, um, it means something. Um, like it can't just be, I don't know, disregarded or something like that. But I'm not yeah. sure. Yeah, like we can't. 
it's tough. It's, our it our means human so- experience is tough, but yeah. it's like um, we we can't ignore it. And the more that it, we accept it, I think the more that we ignore it. Okay. Because like we think like oh we can't handle that that's too much for us. But I think it says something about God. Um, somehow just the reality of evil and it says something about our own experience um, but anyway I haven't got that figured out and, and so forth Or, um, so let's there were some other things I was wanting to ask um, I guess uh, when do you feel most satisfied in life? Hmm. Um, I think recently, um, when finding deeper connections to other people. Okay. Um, and there are other things like, you know, going on a nice hike um, and being present and like seeing the beauty beauty around me and kind of drinking it in. But I think, you know, connections to other people, like having a really good conversation with a friend or uh, going to a dance and meeting new people and just um we go um kind of like the the saying like to be more childlike not to be more childish but to be more childlike and that's kind of the like it's vulnerability it's the open and free enjoyment and just like play like um yeah you're not you're not judging the other person you're not judging yourself you're just freely and totally into what you're doing and i think that's when i feel most satisfied is um when i'm not questioning the moment i'm just fully there yeah. Um, man, my thoughts are just taking us back to like the whole philosophical uh, thing we've been talking about, like guilt and fear and so forth. So you're talking, like I'm just thinking, being totally playful and childlike. Yeah. Um, to, to really have that, you have to be free from guilt. And, yeah. and guilt brings along fear. There's the proverb that the righteous are as bold as a lion, but the wicked flee even when no one pursues them you know because i think i think we have this inner sense of judgment perhaps and if like if we're hiding something it's almost like who's who's out who sees if no one sees you know there's still god you know he's a judge and so so that it brings fear and i think the law brings fear too like um speaking about like um paul you know in romans he talks about um how the law because we don't measure it up, measure up to it, like the Jewish law, for example, and um, so it's like it's kind of like a spirit of slavery with it. Not that the law is bad; it shows us what is good, or it showed the ancient Hebrews what is good. But um, because we don't measure it up, which also shows us our need to be forgiven and so forth. So yeah. there's like the the fear that goes with it that has to be dealt with in order for the the play to take place. Um, and to approach life in just a real no fear type of thing. Um, what um, what most gives you that freedom? I guess where um, you feel free of any kind of guilt, and you feel free to be a, like a child. Hmm. Um. 
think it's... I think there's a number of things that help. I think um, having the bravery and courage to initiate your on your own, like um, to facilitate those good moments helps. It's things like um, organizing the game night or um, if you're dancing with somebody, being the one to smile and kind of loosen up and um, it's hard to describe, but there's lots of ways in which you can open yourself up mm-hmm. um, to that moment. Um, but then it also helps a lot when it's facilitated by the other people there. Um, if they sense what you're doing or if they do that themselves first and you're able to pick up on that, then that's when it's like when we're being fully open and engaged with each other without the fear of like oh I'm gonna look silly or um, or being too competitive like with the game night like oh I'm gonna win I'm gonna win instead of like I think our intentions matter a lot like um, you know that might go back to like guilt if if we're if we know we're like and there might be like the essence of what's right and wrong because it's like if I'm going in to win that's like putting myself above others um, which I don't we don't need to lower ourselves into the mud necessarily but I think that greed and those sorts of things are wrong so if we're going in with those intentions rather than like my intention is to have fun or my intention is to bring joy to this space even if it's like um having fun and bringing joy by trying to win maybe <laughs> yeah which is okay because like um your compo- your uh comp- opponent wants you to try yeah right? yeah it's no fun if you're not like push push to the edge of your ability mm-hmm. um i was listening to something on uh physical play for boys and uh had a lot of those concepts of like oh we need to push ourselves to Mm -hmm. be our best Mm -hmm. and if you're letting them win all the time people will just get bored really quickly because there's nothing there to fully engage yourself mm-hmm. <clears throat> you're gonna become detached from the moment mm-hmm. um so it and can th- be and then if you win all the time they're gonna give up and not want to yeah. play with you either you know? yeah and and if you're so much better than them that you're winning all the time uh there's this idea of like handicapping yourself hmm. and i and it's great because as a handicap, you have to challenge yourself more because suddenly you're hopping on one foot with one hand mm-hmm. while everybody else has two feet and two hands. Mm-hmm. It's harder. Like mm-hmm. You get to challenge yourself and bring everybody else in because now they've got a full chance. Like right. They can beat you. Right. And I think it's all about... Like again like community is huge for me right now Hmm. it's like how do we build everybody being a part of it and fully enjoying it and not afraid um because if i'm trying to hurt you and like win at any cost then we're both gonna be guarded because like i'm gonna feel that slight bit of guilt about it I'm also going to feel like, well, if I'm doing this, then they're probably doing the same to me. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to be guarded. Right. And then if I'm guarded, you're probably not going to want to open up. And plus, I'm doing mean things to you. I'm trying to I'll win at any cost. Right. Not um, for the sake of having a good time, but for the sake of like proving something for yourself or something like that. Yeah. And like in games, I, I like to set different goals. 
because uh, I used to be as a child like a really sore loser like um and I didn't recognize why because I wasn't always like having to win but it just really hurt whenever my plans just didn't work out and I didn't know how to handle it back then but now I like to set like a different goal like I want to get uh this type of achievement in the game but it's not the winning goal it's just like the next step and I strive for that but trying to keep in mind like I'm trying to have fun by achieving things but not just winning um do you have any maxims or like things that you keep in mind that guide you through difficult times in life and that type of thing hmm let's see I think Hmm. Um, well, we talked about fear. Um, I read the sci-fi series, uh, the Dune series growing up, and mm-hmm. uh, it's not necessarily the thing that comes up all the time, but it fits very well, is that fear is the mind killer. And that's the first part of the quote. Um, and... It, it's proved itself true. Like we're constantly fear hinders and maybe it has its place, but to let it fully overwhelm us always (laughs) causes more issues than help. So, um, Mm -hmm. fear is a mind killer. So to kind of let go of fear or, um, work my way past it is a goal that I find very helpful um, let's see I've used um, hmm. I guess I don't have many phrases that I <laughs> repeat to myself a lot but I like to think of love as being everything and I think I find that as a, a comfort or have found it as a comfort yeah to guide me through because it's it's like always having God watching is like oh there's something there and it's bigger than me um so it relieves some of the responsibility and I've found uh recently that I tend to take on again the ego like I have to solve this problem And I think it's good to remember that whether you believe in God or not, it's okay to ask for help. Like, other people are there. Other higher powers are there. And they're there to help. Like, people enjoy helping. Mm -hmm. And, like, most of us, I was just listening to this yesterday, I think, like, we're all okay with helping but we feel guilty or uncomfortable unable to ask for help Hmm. yeah but people enjoy helping we're often helping other people by asking for help right allowing them to help yeah yeah allowing them to help because we don't it it can become toxic if we're like demanding help because then we're making the choice for the other person but Hmm. yeah if we openly vulnerably ask for help and are willing to accept that it might not be there but continue to ask because it it might not be there with that person right now or that source 
-hmm. but it's out there and Mm -hmm. I think you will find it as long as you Mm -hmm. continue to be vulnerable and ask for help and yeah and sometimes that's like uh, I know this comes up in uh, Christian religions a lot Christian sciences it's it's probably not the answer you were looking for but Mm -hmm there is help there Mm -hmm. like we have this like uh, story that we've created but it might have some roots in um, some other stories is that like there's somebody drowning in the water and they're like oh god god's gonna save me and somebody comes by on a paddleboard and is like, hey, would you like some help? And they're like, no, God's going to take care of me. And then mm-hmm. somebody comes by in a canoe. And like, hey, do you want any help? And no, I, I pray to God he's going to come. And then like a helicopter or somebody else comes and would you like some help? Like God's been there the entire time. They're just not listening for it. Because mm-hmm. um, maybe they wanted to be able to walk on water but that was their answer to the situation mm-hmm. not the answer that came mm-hmm. um, so that's sometimes very tough and subtle to see but I think uh, yeah just asking for help and being ready to shift your mindset on what that might mean well, thanks, Elias. It's been a good conversation, and you're, I, I can tell you're a deep thinker of thought through things, and I appreciate just hearing about it. So, Yeah, thank you. It's been good talking to you. Mm-hmm.